Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. I am in my living room here in Van Nuys, and it's exciting. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com for no particular reason besides that it made me laugh. And it points to my website. So, the credits. Mike Rickberg composed the Dork Forest theme song. He sings it with his girlfriend Sarah Cohen in the beginning. He sings the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady fixes this audio. Vilmosh works on my website. And if you go to my website, scroll to the bottom or look in the notes, you can find a link to his website and you can have him do your website. I'm going to say the word website one more time. There we go. It's November. And in November, I ask, and and December, I ask that you don't donate to the Dork Forest if you were thinking about it. I hope you enjoy the show and please donate in January through October. You could give me $10 a month January through October because I like the idea of a hundred bucks a year from everybody. But in November and December, it's the holidays, you guys. Uh, take your money. And donate to your local food bank. How do you do that? You go to google.com and you type in the name of your town, space, the word food, space, the word bank, and then you hit enter. And all of a sudden, the food bank that is in your town, whatever town that is, comes up. And you give them $10 or you give them $100 or you go buy some food and give it to them. And I totally appreciate that. And I hope everyone has a good holiday and a happy Thanksgiving. So... If you do want to uh, support the show, it's it's uh, coming up on, uh, on on your gift giving season. You can buy a gift for people on the merch page on JackieCation.com. You can buy them T-shirts. There's Dork Forest T-shirts. There's my all of my CDs, including the new one. This will make an excellent Horcrux and my new DVD. Uh, all of them are available on iTunes and Amazon and all that stuff for half the price if you just want digital copies. But if you want hard copies, I will send you one along with uh, some weird trinket that I have lying around. You never know. Uh, you can also use the Amazon banner when you order from Amazon. We all do. There's an Amazon banner on JackieCation.com. It's white. It's above a video. You click. You get to Amazon. You buy your stuff. You put it in the cart. And uh, I get a kickback. I get a weird percentage. And last month, I got like $230. So I totally appreciate whoever's doing this because uh, it's great. Uh, my shows. My shows this week because it's Tuesday. I'll tell you about uh, November 13th. All L.A. I'm, in, I'm at Nerd Melt, which is the Meltdown Comics Theater, Nerd Melt. And I'm doing a show for Brickleberry. Uh, it's called Picture This. I tell jokes about the TV show Brickleberry and they, uh, the artists for Brickleberry draw them. The 16th, I'm doing the Hollywood Improv for Carrie Otis or Odes. And the 18th, I'm back at the Virgil, uh, for a show called Victory Lap. And so a couple of sets around uh, Los Angeles. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. The ad this month is going to happen and it's, uh, Bob Calhoun's book. Thanks for tuning in. Shattering conventions, shattering conventions, shattering, shattering. Hey, I sang. It's Jackie Cation. Shattering conventions, commerce, cosplay, and conflict on the expo floor by Bob Calhoun is this month's sponsor. It's a hilarious and disturbing book. Friend of the show, conventions dork Bob Calhoun has been on the show previous episode. He goes to all kinds of different conventions, trade shows and expos, and writes about it in Shattering Conventions. But he doesn't just go to Comic-Con and Star Trek conventions. 
He goes to a gun show, a livestock show, a Republican convention, a conspiracy convention. I remember being uh, slightly worried when he went to that one. And even a Bigfoot hunter con. There's all kinds of crazy and wrong in this book, and it's not always where you expect to find it. Not only have I read this book, I endorsed it with a blurb on the back cover, and I recommend it to all rangers of the dork forest and spooky reading girls within the sound of my voice. The book is Shattering Conventions, Commerce, Cosplay, and Conflict on the Expo Floor by Bob Calhoun. It's available in ebook and paperback from Amazon.com and other fine booksellers. Uh, for more on the book, go to ShatteringConventions.com. It's a really good book. You should get it. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest, Rangers. How the heck are you out there? I am sitting in my living room with the one and only Emily Heller. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? I'm good. You're on the television show on TBS called Ground Floor with Rory Scovel. Yes. There you go. Ground. Our characters get to smooch. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> right. TBS Ground Floor, December 9th, 10 p.m. on TBS. In between 19 episodes of Big Bang Theory, get yourself some Ground Floor. Emily Heller, we've known each other. You're a great stand-up comic. Uh, people should so go much. see you uh, do the stand-up comedy talking and out of your joke hole. And on Twitter, you are Mr. Emily Heller. Yeah. So when you said the one and only Emily Heller, not exactly true. <laughs> not true. You had to put the word Mr. in front of it yeah. to get anybody to stop yeah uh, you're like it'll be fine and then it's emilyheller.tumblr.com for sort of your thoughts and what's happening yeah and my show you. calendar is on oh, that page yeah. oh that's good that's good and you have a podcast called baby geniuses mm-hmm. are there babies on your podcast unfortunately no there are not uh the baby from wrinkle in time that's the first <laughs> baby you should have on <laughs> oh we have a list of babies going they keep aging out of it before we can book them um what's what's the theme what's the deal the theme it's eerily similar to this show it's like people coming on and talking about stuff that they know about for no reason like things oh. that are not their industry so but it's it's oh, that mostly would be people. an excellent companion piece to the dork forest it really would mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily people being like i love harry potter but people being like i know a lot about this like weird mathematician from the 17th century or like guy right, branham right. guy branham talked about uh ruth bader ginsburg for uh, a full 35 and he would yeah. why wouldn't he mm-hmm. i know way too much about alan pinkerton for some reason oh really yeah you, you have to come on i should have to come on the baby geniuses and talk about the mm-hmm. uh, i wrote a report <laughs> so it was important and uh so i've got an excellent list of dorkdoms here i'm kind of interested in the fact that you put you buried it in the middle kind of it's like i like having pen pals since aol days What's happened? How do, you, how do you have a pen pal when it's, is it pen pals via email or is it snail mail? Right now I have a snail mail pen pal. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Of. How'd you get it? Well, so I signed up about six years ago for a prison pen pal. Um, be, okay. Yeah. Because I was like, Hey, that's a type of not really charity, but a nice thing that I can do yeah, at, can any, back. at any hour of the day. Right. I don't, it's not a thing that I can schedule. And you're not falling in love with this of. person and no. marrying them whilst they're incarcerated. No. Although I will say it was very hard to find a prison pen pal service that was not romantically <gasps> focused. Oh, really? Yeah. When I looked online, most of the top results that came up. Can't get a date on the outside? Yeah. There's a bunch and of they dudes had, like, that are incarcerated. Of dudes. Of women, actually. Oh. I was looking for a female prison Rick. pen pal, and they, ha- they have it, too. Yeah. yeah. Men can write to women in prison. Women can write to men in prison. And they okay. have, like, their own sort of – they say what they're looking for in their, like, profiles and things oh. like that. Yeah. So it was a lot of that stuff to dig through. I eventually went to, like, some, like, 
non-profits like website. <laughs> yeah, I basically, of, yeah. Let's find somebody who's not doing this to get somebody off. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I had to find. And That's then, just a bonus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if I had been writing to someone who was the opposite gender, they're probably, it probably would have turned that way at some point, right? Almost immediately. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're incarcerated. Yeah. Well, my pen pal says that when we first started writing, I don't know if this is still the case, but she had like 10 other pen pals. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, fat lot of good I'm doing. Um, but, uh, she said no. that, uh, <laughs> she said that, uh, there were men who would write to her where they would try and turn it romantic when she wasn't intending it. To uh, at times, yeah, yeah, which is interesting. So you're writing to a stranger, and you've mm-hmm. had pen pals for many years. Yeah, I had a bunch my, of them. My first pen pal I had, I I met when AOL first started. I think I was in like third grade. Okay. Um, and I had been, I found we have evidence of this. I found a letter that I had written to my aunt that was like a very desperate sounding plea for her to try and find me a pen pal in Canada. Okay. Cause I, I said, I, the way I phrased it, I think was, I'm having lots of problems at school and I desperately need a pen pal. Need was underlined. Okay. A couple times. And I, I was hoping she would find me one in Canada, but then AOL came along and my dad kind of took me onto the AOL kids zone and I was in a chat room and I was talking to someone in Alabama and he was like, Emily, did you see what she just said? And I was like, what? And it, she said, do you want to be my pen pal? I don't know where the idea that you needed a pen pal. I don't came know where from. that came from. I think did it was you read more this... Ingalls Wilder or something. It was... I did. Is that okay. a big, I don't remember Maybe. a thing about it, but right, I read right. all of the Anne of Green Gables books. Too. Okay. Wait, okay. did she write those? Am I getting I, confused? You know, I don't know who wrote them offhand, oh, yeah. but I'm sure someone is shouting at the iPod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is, uh, the, but I do know that in all of those old timey kids books, there was a lot of talk about pen pals. Yes, there was. Also, the American Girl dolls. I had one of those. Those are basically pen pal format, I think. Okay. Yeah. And I think I thought, I think it was a combination of a few things. One, the idea that I could completely control the narrative of my life <laughs> to a total stranger. <laughs> <laughs> right. You could reinvent yourself and be whatever you wanted Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. Or just really talk to someone who only had my perspective. I wouldn't lie, but they just wouldn't hear any other dissent, dissenting voices about it. Uh, that was awesome. Um, that and also maybe the idea that I was like, well, all this needs to be written down. Right. Oh, you know? of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mark Marin says he never throws out a notebook. Really? Yeah. Because- I have a bunch sitting on my shelf where I'm like, do I dare? Right. I know. I have some back from the eighties. I have, <gasps> I have uh, a lot of them because I always think I'm going to go back because I've written some sort of genius thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know why I'd make fun of Mark Maron about it when I'm <laughs> well, clearly doing exactly the same thing. I don't think it's a terrible idea. I no. think, you know, Bamford throws them out. Really? Yeah. And I was like, why don't you give it to me and a guy? I'll put it on eBay. Why don't you do that? Yeah. I'll send some money to your nephew. <laughs> and she's like, watch this. Bam. And threw it out in oh my front God. of me. And I was like, panic attack. This is so painful to hear. There's a bunch of Maria Bamford fans been good, who are going to start digging through garbage now. I know. You're like, where does she live? Yeah. I was like, I don't think she's throwing them out all the time. But I think she throws them out as she, as, and, and like mostly on the road. So. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Even more frustrating. Right, you'd have to really. You don't <laughs> stalk Maria. I think Rangers I of the Dark Forest are if, better than that. If there's they one takeaway from this episode. <laughs> don't stalk anyone. I hope that that's everyone's it. everyone's very polite. But I do think that, like you know, you're obviously a better comic now than you were in the '80s. I right. would hope. 
If yeah, you yeah. had an idea that you thought was funny back then, I'm sure there's better things you could do with it now. Oh, I could mine the hell out of that Batman and Robin might be gay thing <laughs> that I was working on. And <laughs> they had a poll. I don't know if you remember the poll and there was no. some spandex. Yeah, so I thought they might have been homosexuals. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you weren't crazy. No, I wasn't. I was, I, And I was certainly not alone. If anything, so, the Clooney movie kind of <laughs> was supposed to settle that question, I think. Was that Tim Burton? I, I think like it was. I'm so sad about him because he won't shut up. Tim Burton. Uh, yeah, he just keeps doing things. And, yeah, uh, and just and it's not. All I don't his know fault. why he thinks I want to look at Johnny Depp that much. Nobody n- and <laughs> I. I never have. I mean, I liked him, and I think I, the last movie I liked Johnny Depp in was the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Really? I mean, he was one. great in that. I enjoyed him a yeah. fair amount, uh, but I didn't. It's. I still. There had to be something, but I think Gilbert Grape was the thing I was supposed to like. Oh, and you didn't. He, I, well, I didn't see it. Oh, uh, it looked sad. I saw it probably a little bit too young, I think, oh, and it was enough. sad. Mm-hmm. It was very sad. But yeah, and I mean, he's great in some things, and right. it's good for him to be a nice surprise. But he's not surprising anyone anymore. Mm-mm. And also, right, him as Willy Wonka just makes me insane. Oh yeah, I think I bought it. I don't know why. I think I liked it so much in the moment, and then I really? watched the old Gene Wilder one, and I was like, Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. This is what it should. That's what I, I enjoyed. That you know who it should have been? Mm. T.J. Miller. Oh, T.J. Miller would have knocked that out of the park, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's got to be someone who's having fun with their life a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Depp is does so, not is seem like that too person. dark or something, yeah. or there's there's just trouble. you got to have like a tinge of darkness to yeah. it, but not an overbearing. Ugh. Yeah, I think I don't. I was going to make a sweeping statement based on not enough information. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite kind. I think Johnny Depp crawled into a bottle about eight years ago. <laughs> I, that's not so much a sweeping statement as a very strange metaphor. <laughs> I, well, I, well, I think he's, I think he's, somebody told me that he's literally drunk on the set. But the thing is, it really? might be a different guy. So oh. that's when I say, I don't have any sources. I don't have any yeah, sources. Okay. Paul Ryan might have date raped me. If we're just saying things. Yeah. Let's just say things. There <laughs> okay. you go. It's, uh, all right. Oh, you mean like he's been just, he's been south since then. I thought you meant like he's been preserved as an, I, I don't know oh. a lot of sayings that people oh. use. Yeah, it's a saying. Oh. Okay. Old timey sayings. All I might right. have a gummy fan. Yeah, go for I might. it. I might have There's a, a lot of Halloween candy on the I got, table. I got in case you guys are wondering. Oh, and if you're allergic to nuts, these cashews have nuts in them. Okay, I've eaten a few already. I'll have oh, to good. try and remember if so I'm you allergic. Just, are you soon. allergic? We'll find out. I guess we will. <laughs> what? Uh, so, are are you currently pen paling with someone right now? So yes, I currently have the one woman who is incarcerated, and I we I think we recently passed the six year mark. She's incarcerated in Texas, which is the worst place to be incarcerated in the United States, I believe. Um, it's terrible. Yeah, it's real bad. And like, she hadn't written. Is to she me. stacked like cordwood, or is she in a pretty open? Is she free range? What's happening? Is she <laughs> I, cage? You know, I haven't asked, but they do move her around a lot. A fair and, amount. Uh, yeah. Well, she moved, I think, like three years ago, and that was a really tough transition for her. Like, they moved her kind of without reason, and now she just got her associate's degree, which is awesome. Oh, good. But if she wants to keep taking classes, which is kind of the only way to not go completely bonkers in there, yeah. she has to move dorms again. So she's faced with this decision right now of, with does she want to... Yeah, with the new, completely new people. Like, oh. a completely different building. Like, the to whole To reinvent thing. the damn wheel. And yeah. in prison, it's just... I'm sure yeah. that there's some violence. and Yeah, it's pretty rough. And I think, like... 
she hadn't written to me for a few months, which is she usually writes back pretty quickly when yeah. I write to her. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible pen pal. I write her like every two or three months and right. I'm every letter starts with an apology for taking right. so long. <laughs> um, but for the first time ever, like I wrote her twice without hearing from her mm-hmm. and she was like, I'm sorry. It was just so hot this summer. I oh, just there you didn't go. have the energy. Like oh, there's no, it's AC. Texas. Texas and no air conditioning. Texas and no air conditioning prisons. and they're forced to work and they're not paid for it. Hey, folks. Yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so this took a turn. <laughs> that did take a turn. Yeah. But, I mean, that's interesting that that uh, it's – I mean, the thing is, is I think you are being part of the solution then to even let her bleed off. Talk about getting somebody else's perspective. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, to... anytime I think about complaining about anything. Right. You think, oh, there's oh, yeah. that lady <laughs> yeah. who made a – and did she make a terrible mistake? Do you have any idea? Um, she made a pretty bad mistake, but she was a teenager. So, and she was, she's doing her time. Yeah. And she, you know, she was a teenager and she was on quite a few drugs and, uh, mostly she just helped a guy do a terrible thing, which I think is, Oh my God, that, that could have been any of us. Yeah, Uh, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he seems handsome. What did you want to do? Yeah. Oh, and I'm drunk. Let's go. Definitely. Let's dash off and. Make that, that could terrible life choice. really happen to any of us. And yeah, and now a she's a, um, now she's like, oh, in her thirties and. Wow. And so she's been in since she was a teen. Yeah. She's, she, I think she's been in there since she was 19 years old, which is. Holy shit. Real rough. Yeah. Yeah. So if she gets out, how will she assimilate? Yeah. Back it's into a scary, society? I that mean, sounds... I think she has. She got 25 to life and I think with good behavior she'll be out in 18. So that's a couple of years from now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a few years from now. Yeah. Okay. It's an interesting. That's it's a an, conundrum. It's a real conundrum. I really wonder. I mean, she's a Christian now. She right. converted in there. I think she was a Christian at earlier. But, and actually one of the reasons but found why. found the Jeebus. Yeah. What's interesting is when you sign up for a prison pen pal, and if anyone's thinking about doing it. Yeah. Do it. She's is there a like, website or? Um. I use the Coalition for Women Prisoners. Oh, that's good. They have okay. a pen pal database. If you dig around on that stuff, you'll find kind of like the social justice websites that talk about it. And the way it works, it's real easy. And I will say, like, she has helped me with my stand-up jokes. Like, I'll send her stand-up jokes. She'll send me notes. It's amazing. <laughs> I've used them on jokes that I told on television. Wow. Yeah. So she will punch up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she'll just be like, this doesn't quite make sense to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's a really simple tweak. That's great. Right. And, and she says she tells my jokes to other people in there, which Aww. is great. Is she um, watching the show? She. This is the first thing that she might actually be able to see that okay. I've done, which okay. is exciting. They get that TBS. Okay. It's basic cable. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Very basic. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in doing it, the way it works is um, you write in saying you want to do it and they send you a list of people who want to participate in the program and they have like two word descriptions of like who they are and what they want to talk about. Just two words? Or, or I mean, two sentence okay, description good. of like who they are and what they want to right, talk right. about. Um, that would be a much more right. difficult writing assignment. <laughs> um, You're like, give me two words to yeah, sum you up. Yeah. I know you've been incarcerated for fifteen. Hello, years. Jesus. Um, would Jesus. Be, um, yeah. White. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was like a lot of the descriptions were um, people who wanted to just talk about their love of Jesus. And Um. I actually picked her because she did not talk about that. She was like, I like art and poetry and I'm interested in Druidism. And I was like, all right, all right. (laughs) That's interesting. That's fine. But, and there's no reason, I mean, you want to, I have a brother who wants to always talk about his love of Jesus and, uh, it's exhausting, but, um, but it's, I mean, I'm happy for him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need to hear the details. Yeah. And you know what? 
if there's anyone I'll listen to talk about Jesus, it's someone who is in prison. They need it more than anyone else does. Right, right. I was, I, atheism, I tweeted the other day that atheism seems to be a white guy's game. That seems to be a white man's <laughs> game, uh, very much. I think I, and I got that impression when Kamau, uh, was talking about, on his show. Yeah. He was talking about how, he isn't an atheist, and he's like, I th- as a black man, I don't think I can afford to give up the only hope that I have, <laughs> which is of some sort of afterlife. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, and it was a fascinating tiny rant. I'm I'm sum- summing it up, and I don't know that I'm necessarily getting it co- exactly correct, but it yeah. was it it struck me as oh yeah, that feels like, a, and not just every white guy, just a certain kind of white guy. Yeah, you know? well, and I think there's also a certain kind of white guy who really wants to talk about it more than other. Yeah, just yeah. nor I mean like just normal agnosticism doesn't really it's it's and and just normal atheism doesn't even fanatic atheism is an irritant. It's yes. as bad as fanatic anything, Islam or Judaism or yeah, Christianity or any of it. Wow, we have we, we have <laughs> and we are getting the hate mail. <laughs> no, no, I think everybody's on board. Yeah, I think everyone's on board with that. Yeah, I think the tide has turned against fanatic atheists at this point. And I mean, it's the problem that you have with any any uh, really firmly held belief, which is the people who are the loudest about it are the people you want to talk about it the least. Right, right. Yeah. You want to wrap that up? Yeah, I'm yeah. a vegetarian, so we deal with that. Our own issues with that. that we all have going on. As, yeah. a, as a feminist, yeah, I have to say <laughs> yeah. that uh, that I'm a I'm a big fan of feminism, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm also a big fan of certain people shutting up. <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. I'm I know. just like, you're not necessarily part of the solution. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, this is how Republicans must have felt about Sarah Palin. Right. Just like, we're with you. Shut the fuck up. Right oh my now. God. My brother is a Republican, right? And he's mm-hmm. an econ professor and he was in Door County. I may have told the story two episodes ago, but let's do it again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, he is an econ professor. He occasionally uh, speaks at uh, different events. There is a county in Wisconsin called Door County that does not have cable. They don't have uh, uh, cable or D- DSL. What huh. they have are those giant satellite things. It's very rural, and um, it's a big uh, vacation spot for people, people with cabins and such. But other people just go up there and stay in hotels. And, and so... Um, he worked with local government and AT&T or Time Warner or Charter or somebody to lay cable to bring DSL up there. And so he was at some sort of a town meeting. At the town meeting, he was speaking on be I think on behalf of the uh you know, economists of of the world and how they should um should definitely do this do, do this because it would help tourism because people want to check their Facebook while they're sitting at the Motel 6. Yeah. And this type of thing, right? And this couple stands up and my brother describes them not flattering. Let me tell you something about my brother. Not the greatest looking dude in the world either. Why don't you keep that to yourself? The, the sort of the personal comments. And But they get up and they're just yelling, the two of them. And my brother, he says, what is what? And I was like, you had hecklers? He goes, that's exactly what they were. And he said, the guy was just yelling. And finally he said to the couple, he's like, why don't you guys want this? Just one of you tell me why you don't want this. This would be really good for business. This would be really, you're going to, uh, it, you'll, the town will invest whatever, but they'll get a 12% return. What's the problem? And the woman says, we don't want government in our business. I'm sick of government in our business. And then she goes off on Obama and all these things. And, and Russ just went, he said, you really have to shut up. <laughs> They were like, what? And he goes, I don't mind stupid people. I really don't because they're funny. 
Uh-huh. And I don't mind arrogant people that are right because they're, they're right. right. <laughs> but stupid Eric, you really have to shut up. And the woman yells at him something like, it's, it's, it's liberal professors like you that are doing this because he's a professor at the University of Wisconsin, Whitewater mm-hmm. Econ. And, um, and he goes, I am a card carrying member of the Republican party and you are the reason why people think we're nuts. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Russ. He goes, I know I couldn't, I, I, I didn't know how to not tell her to shut I up. I mean, that's definitely the thing to have said. Yes. It yeah. was the only thing to, I mean, he's usually much, he doesn't know how hard he hits sometimes. Yeah. And, um, so I don't know that he might've made is them he cry. A, is he a reliable storyteller? He is. He doesn't embellish too much. Yeah. It's as much as, as much as any of us. You know, the story is important. Sometimes when my mom is telling stories like that, she's like, so I just said to her (laughs) and like uh, delivers a perfect takedown. And like, sometimes I'll have been there and I'll be like, you very politely asked. Yeah. You you weren't, you didn't do a -a whack-a-mole. Yeah. No, it was not an Aaron Brockovich moment. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't take back the coal mine for the people. Uh, yeah, no, he, First of all, yeah, he is, he doesn't, he's rarely the hero of any story he tells, mm-hmm. especially like that where I think he actually was meaner than that. Yeah. That was, he and he might have been telling it, it down. He might have been telling it as a story of I really lost it. <laughs> yeah. Where I kind of lost, I mean, he told me some story where <clears throat> he was like, I was, and then I went and I beat up that guy and I said, Russ, you're not in shape. You can't <laughs> possibly have beaten anyone up. And he's like, well, I just, just intimidated. So, I mean, you're just like, why would you want me to think that you would hit yeah. somebody? You're a 55 year old man or whatever. I don't know how old he is, but <laughs> please, there's no hitting in grown up land. No hitting. Uh, but, uh, so, but I mean, yes. So, but I have taken over, uh, what is clearly your hour. So let's, how about high school debate? How about high school debate? I like high school debate ASMR, which stands for autonomous sensory meridian response. Okay. Which is, I just said to you, that is a medical condition. Yeah. It's and a medical condition that has no negative effects. No negative effects. Not one that is we it, know of. It's a neurological phenomenon. Autonomous sensory meridian response. Which is just a name that some non-medical person made up for it. Cause okay. before that it was called the unknown feeling. Oh, that unknown feeling. Yeah. It's this spook. It's this shared human experience that not everyone experiences, but enough people do that it, they, you said that they have a rabid online presence. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's a huge online community of people who talk about it and make videos and are very active in pursuing sort of the legitimacy of it as a phenomenon. As a phen- But not they're not looking for like, or do they want studies? <clears throat> they do. They yeah, want studies. Because okay. people want to know what it is and what's happening and why. There's some theories, but it was like up until maybe like two years ago, the Wikipedia page kept getting taken down because people were just like, this isn't a thing. Right. But I would say that there's probably like a couple million people online who are like. Who claim aware, to have it. Who claim to have it, who are aware of it. And for me. And you have it. I have it. Yeah. And which it is, is how I- autonomous sensory meridian <laughs> response, which means what? It's, what happens? It's okay. Are you having it now? I'm not having it now. Oh my God. <laughs> I tend not to have it when other people are around and aware of me having this experience. Oh, right, right, right. It sort of ruins it, man. It does a little bit. Fair it enough. feels a little creepy. And I am going to warn you, if you guys haven't heard of this before, it's going to sound like I'm describing something sex related. And I, you're just going to have to trust me I that I'm not. like when you first described it to me, I was like, were you doing LSD? <laughs> That's what it sounded no. kind of okay. like. Okay. So it's this like... 
And it's not, you don't go into a full-on trance. It's this mild sort of tingling sensation in your scalp. It kind of feels like your hairs are standing on end. And it's just very pleasurable and relaxing. And sometimes it goes down your spine. Um, and it's triggered by, there's a few different types. Some people say that like art and music can make this happen. And I think that's common to all people. But then there's this other kind that only certain people experience that. And just from anecdotally talking to people about it, I would say maybe one third of all people experience the other kind, which is triggered by various sorts of stimuli that are kind of mostly grooming related. Like haircuts are a big trigger for people, close personal attention, whispering accents, watching someone diligently complete a task with their hands. Um, Okay. It sort of of vaguely turns you on because it's like a tingling feeling. Yeah. It's like, well, it is very similar to sexuality in that like when you start engaging with the feeling, you don't want to snap out of it. Oh, you're like, oh, this could go. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch this video of this person pretending to paint my face for a full 45 minutes. <laughs> right. And then if start I can it over. It. Yeah, I mean, there's and no can reason. Can you sustain it? Yes. I mean, it doesn't, you don't necessarily feel it every second that you're watching the video, but like it happens enough while you're watching it that like you want to just start it over again. Interesting. And I had experienced this like throughout my life. I rem- like the earliest memory I have of it was when I was a teenager and I was at camp and I was watching watching someone brush another person's hair. Okay. And I just was like, I could watch this forever. Wow. And that was, and I was just like this, like, and I couldn't, and I kept kind of coming up with different reasons why it would happen. And at the time I had just cut my hair off and I was like, oh, I just want long hair again. Yeah. And, um, it happens sometimes when I get manicures. Okay. And I was like, oh, I just like attention. Yeah. And I kept coming up with these reasons. I just assumed that no one else felt this thing. And I had right. tried to describe it to other people and no one else knew what I was talking about. And okay. then the internet I, was invented. Then the internet was invented <laughs> and I started. I kind of stumbled upon a few different videos that triggered me that I would just watch over and over again at work when I was stressed out. One of them was this instructional hand massage video. Okay. Okay. Um, which has hundreds of thousands of views for reasons that are now obvious to me. Right. Um, one was this, uh, video of someone getting a head massage in India. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And another one, very surprisingly, was the Angela Johnson nail salon. Stand-up comedy video. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah, which I would jump to about 50 seconds into that video just right when she started doing the impression of the person working at the nail salon. Okay. She looks right at the camera and she gives you that close personal attention of someone who's about – and she does this accent. And it's just like all the things that trigger me all at once. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. And so – and I also realized that it started happening to me whenever I got like tarot card readings. That was a big trigger for me. Right. So I like, I was like, maybe I'm really into tarot. Right. Like maybe this is real, <laughs> which it's not. Uh, it's definitively uh, not. We're, we're having a tarot dork on no, yeah. later in life. And well, that'll be the opposite side of this. But the crazy, I mean, the thing is, is to some extent, it is that sort of very personal attention, the physical. Right. But it's interesting that it can be triggered by watching someone else receive that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of just the idea of it. Because I love having my hair washed. Yeah. At the, at the hairdresser. Right? Yeah. Does it I mean, make you relax? Oh my God. It's, yeah. I could, I, I'm like, you could wash my hair until I had no hair. Yeah. And it'd be fine. And it's. What about getting your hair cut? 
I love it. Yeah. I love it all. I think I you love... should watch some videos and see what happens. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anything. It's <laughs> the reason why I... <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I found out what it was though is because I found this tarot card video that had ASMR as a tag on it. And okay. then I looked that up and I found this website that described this thing that I've experienced my whole life and I was like, Oh my god, that's the thing. It's a thing. That's the reason Somebody... why I'm watching this Angela Johnson video fifty times in a row. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even though that accent it's it so it's just okay. It's just okay. It's just okay. They did it on Seinfeld. She's right. basically doing a Seinfeld bit. Right. But... <laughs> and I'm glad she's turned into a career, but it's a lot. Anyway. But how many of those views on that video are people are, like me? Yeah, right, right. How and many ASMRs? The thing that really tripped me out about it was I was like, I've had so many experiences in my life where I've just been feeling this neurological phenomenon that I've ascribed to other reasons. And at certain times I was like, maybe this is a spiritual experience. Like, right. maybe I'm talking to God right now. Well, why, why couldn't it be? It, it certainly could be. Right. Well, but I mean, that's why we need these studies. Right, right. Because <laughs> you're like, but how, how great many... would it be if it were just science? Yeah. Because uh, then, it, I mean, because that's what we all do. We all want to be able to just to explain stuff like this where you're right. like, it is really cool and it's very beautiful and very mystical and kind of, uh-huh. it's it's wacky, but you're just like, but is it also just a physical reaction? Is it just a I'm physical just reaction? A and, and, and how many things throughout human history has this neurological phenomenon influenced because people didn't know it was a shared experience. Right. They thought it was a thing that was happening only to them. Right. At a very precise moment when they were making a big decision and they were like, maybe this is what God wants me to do. Right. Um, so and maybe the studies will reveal. Maybe. I mean, there are, there are certain evolutionary theories that people have about it. Like I've heard, uh, bristling is one theory where, um, it's, uh, a response that's supposed to make your hair stand on end when you're being groomed as a monkey so people can, so other people can more easily find the bugs in your hair. Okay. So it might be an evolutionary. Yeah. And I've also heard that like, yeah, in a similar evolutionary line of thinking, like the feeling of euphoria that you experience from grooming is meant to bond you with other members of your group. Oh. To make you feel connected to them when they groom you and to make it a pleasurable experience. Which means, quite honestly, but if, if, if it's evolutionary and it's a, uh, that more people should have it than just right. the, it's the a, well, it's a holdover. Million. We don't need it to survive anymore. We have right. other ways to feel connected to each other and sure, we've pen done pals. enough fucking, yeah, yeah, pen pals, yeah. Facebook, it's all working out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> but that, that is fascinating though that, but I, I think the implications of it are much more far reaching than yeah. it initially seems just by watching the YouTube videos, which admittedly are very creepy if you don't experience the sensation because it's just a teenage girl staring at the camera pretending to give you a makeover. Wow. For an hour. For a full, for a full hour. For a full hour. And you're like, why would anyone watch this? Is yeah. what, if you don't, if you don't if get I that feeling. Yeah. You're like, why would I, if I didn't get the feeling, I'd probably last one minute into those videos. Right. Like, and you're barely, like, who are these 99,000 people and how can we incarcerate them? <laughs> why are they watching this child? What's happening? That is weird. Yeah. It's weird. And there's no way to describe it that doesn't sound like they're porn stars. Because when I talk about it, I'm like, man, this girl kind of does it for me. This one doesn't really <laughs> like there's very specific. And I'm like, here's the creepiest thing that I've ever said about it. <laughs> I prefer the amateurs. <laughs> Well, that <laughs> makes so much sense. Oh, that's, that's how, that's how I feel about sex in general. <laughs> yeah, it's Who just wants a to lower go? bar. It's a lower, it's a lower bar. bar. And 
you know, usually their emotions are more involved. Right. Well, <laughs> so. there, that's what's kind of is sort of creepy about it is there is a like a very strong psychological element because it's not just the sensation of someone cutting your hair. It's the knowledge that your hair is being cut by another person right. who is attending to you. And that's why the videos work to trigger this sensation. But because of that psychological element, like if I watch a video by an ASM artist, as they call themselves, sweet. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I will, uh, if Do they, they monetize these vids. Oh yes. Oh, they better. Uh, yeah. And I'm kind of fascinated that it's not a bigger industry yet. Because there are so many, their, their views, their videos have way more views than any comedians we know. Okay. <laughs> it's crazy. And right. I'm like, why am I doing this? Right, right. <laughs> I why can't get I... someone to watch a four minute video exactly. of mine. And I've I watched. I have a royal typewriter and I deliberately type out the brown uh, yeah. box moves quickly through the woods. That would work. That there's, would work. There's one person Nikki Glazer likes. Nikki Glazer has oh, this does too. Oh, Nikki Glazer have Yeah. It? And we have. of comic Nikki yeah, Glazer. We have very different tastes in which mm-hmm. ASMR videos we watch. <laughs> She, I, she doesn't like the ones with talking. Okay. She likes just hands pulling things out of a box. Oh, interesting. Yeah. She doesn't like the ones where people are pretending to touch your face. I love the ones where people are pretending to touch your face. So hers are not about attention. It's people, it's, she's like, she, it's, it's about, almost like a voyeurism. She's watching, watching this. the task. It's the delicateness with which they remove it and they show it to you, but okay. it's not like, she doesn't get dis- she gets I think distracted by what looking at the person's face who's doing it. It does sound like porn. It's incredibly <laughs> specific. It's so specific. And I kind of feel like what this does to you, it's not sexuality, but it is functionally similar in terms because of because it's physical. It's physical and and, it, and our minds immediately go to sex like crazy yeah. people. Because <laughs> yes. it's what we do. Absolutely. And there is some weird like there are definitely girls who make videos who try to look sexy in the videos and those are kind of my least favorite ones. Right. I'm like don't look. I want you my favorite ones are when they're wearing are there no men? makeup. There are men who do it. Um there's this do you guy. You watch the men ones? Men don't trigger me as much. There's one guy there was one guy who I was like, he's flirting with me. I can't watch this. Okay. <laughs> um, who, but like men I know who have ASMR sometimes prefer the male videos. Okay. Um, like my brother-in-law has it and he will watch, like there's one guy that he really likes who I'm like, I can't watch. He's too flirty with me. Yeah. But then there's this Australian guy named, I think his name is Dimitri, but he uses some fake names when he's doing characters, which is a whole other thing. Um, but I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do a character, do something to make me know that it's not you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but, and he is like, I genuinely, I'm like, this dude is a creep. Okay. But I will watch his videos. Oh, interesting. And I don't know. He's, he does like a lot of massage videos where he has like women in his house that he's massaging on camera for you. And I'm like, where did you get them? Right. How? Right. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then, so this is, a, so you discover this and there's a rabbit hole that you go down. Yes. And then there's, there's and then there's boards trying, where there's, people are discussing the different things that they like. And there's there's a Reddit. There's a Reddit. Subreddit okay. about and a ASMR subreddit. where people talk about that. Yeah. And the Wikipedia pages back up now. And okay. there's been a This American Life episode about it, which was actually oh, interesting. Um, very helpful for the movement, as people call it. <laughs> well, it, 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 <laughs> the artists have a movement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is that, I mean, there's part of it that just, you know, it's... It's it's like what Maria says. You're never alone. Google it. Google yes. it. Someone is doing exactly what you have done and are ashamed of and are currently on a book tour. And, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's that's her joke. But the thing is, is it's it's so true because 
the most alienating thing in the world is to feel alone or to feel like you're the only one who feels this way. And you're like, right. well, I'm seriously, I'm cl- clearly insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was the type of thing where like, I didn't even realize it's not like a thing that like I had to do every day that made me feel so isolated that no one understood, but it was right. still comforting to find out that it wasn't my imagination and that there were other people who experienced it and that there's a chance that, it could be named and studied. Right. Even though it's essentially the opposite of a disease. Like it only has positive effects. <laughs> it cures right. people's insomnia. Like okay. it's it can put people to sleep. Yeah. And... It helps with anxiety. Yeah. A lot of people watch the videos to fall asleep. Oh, and I think that could probably work for people who don't experience like, it. Too. I just had uh, Kipley Brown on. I don't know if you know her. I don't. Emo Phillips wife. Okay. Uh, she's an actress and a sketch artist over sketch actress over at uh, Iowa West. Oh, cool. Does a lot of, um, she she works. She's on different programs. Yeah. And anyway, uh, <laughs> but she does this thing. She was talking about how she likes to listen and she played a snippet of it, of this sort of, it wasn't techno. It was the sound of machinery, but it was also, but it was a band making huh. this sound. And she was like, this is the only stuff that I can sleep to. And she huh. played that. Interesting. And I wonder if it's this. I'm, it might be. It might just relax her enough and give that tingling feeling enough that she gets a small, you know, cause some you, before people, you go to bed. Yeah. Some people, there are some ASMR videos that are just sound videos that are just like dominoes being clicked together. Just sounds of tapping and scratching is a big, wow. It's a big trigger. There's yeah, like yeah. the official list of like common triggers is yeah. so ununified and strange. <laughs> right. But uh I wouldn't be but, surprised if that had something to do with it. But people describe the same physical reactions. Yes. You know, that tingling. And, and the... all that list of triggers is very common to a lot of people. And that's okay. why it, ma- it made it onto and the list. And that's how everybody found it. Yeah. To some extent. They're like, Pretty much. Is anyone else turned down by yeah. the t- smell of tires? Yeah. Is uh, anyone else watching this video of someone chopping food over and over <laughs> again? Like, why is this happening? But it also makes me wonder, like... Are there other shared human experiences like this that we just haven't talked about on the internet yet? Right. It kind of sent me on a bit of a spiral where I was like, maybe this weird thing that I do is also a common experience. And people have been like, no, it is not. No, <laughs> no, that one's just you. That one's just you. So far. Like one uh, thing that I asked people about was I was like, you know, sometimes when I was a kid, it sounded just- you know, if I was in a very quiet room, it kind of sounded like any sound was someone yelling at me. And they were like, oh, that's not a thing. Oh, no, that sounds like abuse. That <laughs> sounds like some sort of uh, past life experience. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, wow. <laughs> it gave me a little bit too much confidence <laughs> to be like, yeah, I'm not weird. Oh, no, I'm definitely still weird. No, but no, just this thing still- is a little bit less weird than I thought it was. <laughs> still very weird. <laughs> still weird. You're still you're still doing whatever you want. I just I just recorded an episode with Matt Oswald. And it was so funny because he was, he wanted to talk about his jeans. Oh. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's one of the guys that freezes his jeans. And so we talked about that instead of washing them. This is this, uh, oh, like it kills the bacteria. Yeah. 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 Oh, You've heard of it. You've yeah. Heard of it. Yeah. 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 Marin does it. And, uh, so, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> right. He was like, well, that sounds like the greatest idea. And, uh, it does sound like something that people who are really into coffee do. Right. Yeah. Right. It feels, yeah. And so, but Matt Oswald, literally at like minute 50, we start talking about the fact that he likes to go for two and a half, three hour hikes a day. Huh. A day. A day. And I was like, hey, 40 minutes ago, we could have started about this. You being chased by coyotes and walking up hills <laughs> and discovering different parts of Griffith Park that nobody's ever seen. And, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so interesting what people want to do 
and what they think is weird and what they don't think is weird. What yeah, they think, how people will just sort of casually slip well, into every, conversation something right, that they Aaron do that Jackson is so... episode of The Dork Forest. I don't know if you know her comic from, yeah, uh, from DC. She's hilarious. She's a wonderful stand-up comic. And, uh, but she, one of my favorite episodes because she said, yeah, but everyone collects shot glasses, Jackie. <laughs> do they? <laughs> good, good, gonna burst a bubble here. Nope. Not everyone does. <laughs> Not that. everybody does. I know it. one person who does. Oh yeah? Yeah. My sister's husband and she hates it. <laughs> well, she doesn't like it because yeah, no. it's too much? Yeah. Um, she's like, we live in New York. We don't have room for this. <laughs> right, I know. It's, do you see the, 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 Andy enjoys a, a fair amount of, uh, gack. And, uh, he will collect some items. And oh, he, he wow. likes an action figure. Yeah. He likes, uh, he likes some, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been really wanting to take that bookcase apart and dip and dust it for 10 years. Oh God. So, yeah. I, I don't bet. know when that's going to happen. I just, I mean, this might be a good transition. <laughs> Excellent. Please it. do. Um, I just got all of my debate trophies out of my parents' house and they are on my shelf in my house now. So you are celebrating. Something you loved just in high school. Yes, pretty much. It's I a good still, skill. I still love it. I still wish I could do it. Yeah. And I wish it's how the world worked, but. Right. Someone would give you an assignment and you would be given. Or just at the end of an argument, uh, and a third party would tell you who was right. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> high school debate. Let's talk yeah. about it. Let's go there. Cause I was in high school debate as well. You, you were. What um, type of debate did you do? Um, well, I did two things. I did forensics and I did debate. Yeah. And, uh, debate was, um, pretty basic. You know, we were given a topic at the beginning of the year. Uh-huh. And oh, you worked, had one topic all year. Did you work yeah, with a partner? Worked with a partner. Okay, yeah. And then, um, what did you do? I did this form of debate called Lincoln Douglas, which you did what's now called the policy debate. Excellent. Um, which has, I think probably in the years since you did it, become so jargony and so fast that they keep splitting off new types, oh. new formats of debate that are more persuasive and slower. Right. Um, yeah, this was, this to be was more relative, accessible. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty rapid fire. It was a lot of, yeah, my favorite, my favorite thing that came out of high school debate is that I will ask people. And what happened was I didn't want to be in debate. And my sister, who oh, really? turns out is the boss of me, said, you will be in debate. You will be, you need to be kept off the streets. You will take debate. You will take, uh, you will continue to take your, uh, your clarinet. You will also be in forensics. Younger you, or older sister? Year and a half. Old. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> if this was like a five-year-old, I'd be like, Jack, no. how did this happen? How did it happen? Her Twitter handle, Bossy Magoo. Uh, <laughs> so, Bossy Magoo, uh, is like, you're gonna be, and forensics was, uh, that was, uh, extemporaneous speaking right. is what I did. Yeah. And that was political as well. Yeah. And, and but the greatest thing about it, because my brother Russ, they all of most of my siblings were student council presidents before me. Mm-hmm. And um I didn't want she was like, you'll you'll be joining student council. And I was like, I don't care about student council yeah. or Robert's rules or any of that bullshit. That doesn't seem like your thing. Right. And she was like, well what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be the power behind the throne. So I, okay, Dick Cheney, <laughs> little Carl Rove. So what I did was, uh, I was the editor of the school newspaper. Oh, okay. And so it was fine. But the thing is, is my favorite thing to come out of it was, uh, the source thing. I was like, what's your source on that? That oh. was in, in our house. That was the way to end a conversation. Oh, interesting. Or to continue a conversation because then by then everyone had sources. Uh, <laughs> like you'd say to my, I'd say to my brother Russ, uh, the econ professor, what's your source on that? And he was like, allow me to tell you. And then he would tell me, allow me to bore you with the answer <laughs> with, uh, the 
science, whatever, like what magazine or what article yeah. or whatever. So that was, but that was, that was my favorite. Takeaway. I love yeah. the source. It's, it really is a very well-designed activity that inadvertently teaches you a lot about how people's brains work and about how the world so works. So many different things it teaches you. It teaches you so many. I mean, if I had to point to one thing that to single-handedly say, like, that's why I have anything, it's debate. What? Because it... Holy crap. Yeah. it's It made me quantifiably smarter in the period of time that I did it. Mostly by, I feel like, illuminating the hidden structure behind all people's beliefs, which is kind of a big thing. That is, yeah. <laughs> that is the greatest line ever. Well, I feel like in Lincoln-Douglas debate, which is the type of debate that I did, and this was my favorite thing to kind of come out what of it. What was the nature of that kind of debate? The nature of this kind of debate was at the beginning of each round, you and your opponent defined your value, the thing that you are trying to uphold. Okay. And the impact, like all of your arguments basically have to impact back to that value. You have to say like, if this we is pass what I'm this law, for. yeah, if we pass this law, it'll have these effects and that's important to justice because if your value is uh-huh. justice, which I think is the subtext of all political arguments, all political arguments have a subtext of all I want is for people to be fed or all I want is for justice to be done. People have those underlying values that they just don't explicitly say. And when you get into kind of deadlocked arguments, a lot of times it's because two people have different values that they haven't articulated to each other. Oh. And so you can't settle an argument unless you both express what both express what your value is and then also debate the merits of them. Right. Because some people are trying to, Get people fed as right. a value, as a right. direct value. Right. Here's here's my thing: is that we're going to do this, and other yeah. people are we're going to keep everybody safe. Yeah. Or some people are just like, I want to uphold the idea of liberty. Okay. Which itself does not have direct impact, but if if what you care about is upholding an idea, mm-hmm. then yeah, you're It'll not going to you're not agree, you're not going to agree with someone whose goal is just to feed people, regardless of of their rights yeah. or the rights of others. Yeah. And okay. And so that basic structure is just like, ah, every argument should have that. Every argument should begin with a definition of the values it's and a super debate polarizing, of polarizing though. It really is. And, but I mean, and but that's how the thing get, is because, because if what it's you why I, do, don't, I don't debate anyone anymore. <laughs> I don't debate anyone in the real world. Cause I'm like, you guys don't follow the rules. <laughs> I'm too spoiled. I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with you. You don't know. What a non-responsive argument is. There's no consequences. You're not going to get docked any speaker points for taking that tone with me. <laughs> right. But the weird thing about the polarizing part of it is if you start from a place of I'm entirely about uh, the freedom that that the freedom of the of the market. If mm-hmm. the market is completely let's take laissez faire. Mm-hmm. If if the market is completely free, the people will rise to the occasion and we will have. Uh, jobs, there will be food for everyone, there will be, and this will, this is, it creates an equal opportunity, uh, opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, equal opportunity. And then to the other people that are like, someone who is arguing from a point of, yes, but in, in the words of, in, in the need of social justice, mm-hmm. you have to, you have, you have, there has to be a bell curve. You know, mm-hmm. you, you there, have to accommodate for, you have to accommodate, you have to be sane and realize that <laughs> a Hobbesian world yeah. will, create, you know, just, it'll be brutal. 
Yeah. And <laughs> what about wheelchairs? <laughs> right. Right. Somebody might need a walker. Yeah. And that person isn't going to make it as fast. You know, it's like it's there was a anyway. But yeah. so, I mean, it's so polarizing that to define that in the beginning, you would know whether you'd want to even have that conversation. Exactly. And you would also know at what point in the argument you could stop talking about it. Because you'd be like, oh, we've reached the point in this argument where we cannot and will not agree because our core value here that we're trying to achieve is different. Is And if I can't convince you of the merits of my value, the conversation's effectively over. Right. And, right. Um, in, and it has like no discursive value unless someone's watching. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> right. And yeah. Does anything have any value unless someone's watching? I mean, some people would argue that <laughs> in debate rounds. I mean, that was another interesting thing about it is like sometimes people would come in with these big like meta critiques of the entire format of the exercise. And then you'd have to argue with them about whether or not what you were doing was even useful in order <laughs> to win the round. It was a really interesting way to learn how things work. But it also just taught me how to make analogies, which is so critical to comedy. Too. I mean, right. like, and it, articulation is so important, and to think on your feet and to be able to respond to things. I mean, because right. there's a lot of prep that goes into high yeah. school debate. Did you do it all through high school? I did it. I, you know what? I started it sophomore year when I didn't get into the play. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which weirdly ended up kind of coming full circle, right? Because I act now. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> you act on ground floor on TBS December 9th, 10 p.m. I act at Mr. Emily Heller on Twitter. Anyway, a very so. nerdy way I act. Right, um, right. But, uh, yeah, it is, uh, I forget why we started. I started, I did it sophomore, junior, and senior year. Okay. And I did it on a very competitive, I did it on like the national circuit. Oh, wow. Which, um, Cause is, you're from San Francisco. I'm, yeah, I'm from the East Bay. I went to a very, uh, expensive private school in Oakland that had a very good Thank team. you, Mr. and Mrs. Heller. Thank you very much. And also thank you, Grandma. Oh, um, <laughs> Grammy paid for, uh, <laughs> almost all of my debate trips. Um, okay. which was a huge luxury because I got to debate at like these very high levels with a bunch of people right. who were much, uh, more prepared than I was. I was kind of like a shitty slacker who got by a lot on natural ability where sure. I would like use other people's cases. I would just read someone else's case and then just defend it if oh, I wow. hadn't done the work. Yeah. Um, and I would still win and it drove people insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, that was probably why I hit the ceiling that I did with, right. with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I did it for three years and, yeah, it just and it changed your life. It changed my brain. Yeah. yeah, it changed my life in a really big way. Um, and yeah, I think also maybe actually I take it back. This might be like the biggest thing that came, that came from it, which was in order to be an effective debater, you have to re- have a very strong comprehension of what the person you're talking to is saying, which is such a key part of having empathy. Right. That and it like. If anything, it made me less argumentative outside of debate because right. I gained a stronger understanding of what people were saying to me when they were arguing with me. Like, what you the, have to listen. Yeah. Like, you have to really understand every logical step that they took to get to what, to get what, to what they're, what they're saying. saying. Yeah. And so you have to know how to do that in order to find where the hole is when you're right. arguing against them. But when you're just having a conversation, using those skills allows you to really understand where they're coming from and kind of have more empathy for them and and to hear yeah Yeah, i mean that's that is that that's huge Mm -hmm. yeah that is and the tactics that people use in online debates 
that we witness, unfortunately, so much in the comedy community. Oh, right. The tactics that people use would get you... The monkeys in the poop in the wall? That, <laughs> that kind of thing? That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. The ad hom attacks and just the unresponsiveness. Yeah. Just the responding to a thing that someone didn't say. Right. That would lose you around. That would lose you around. You're misquoting. You, yeah. I'm sorry, you, you're actually You didn't following. respond to the actual... Well, here's a... One rule of Lincoln-Douglas debate, which is the type of debate that I did, was uh, if someone doesn't respond to your argument, yeah, it's considered true in the round. Oh. So you get the point. You get... You, you, as you, get, you, to make you that. get to make that point throughout the round, and they can't wait till the end of the round to argue against it. It's just considered true. And so <laughs> responsiveness is so critical right. in debate, and it's a thing that doesn't matter at all in the real world, but right. makes me want to opt out of every conversation that happens online. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge... I'm a huge fan of whenever I get heckled on Twitter or Facebook of just blocking that person. Oh like, yeah. Because, you know, in, in stand up, when you get heckled, if, if you're lucky, they, they, you know, people stop talking when mm-hmm. you ask them to. Yeah. But if they don't, they get kicked out of the club. Mm-hmm. And so why would I have a conversation with someone? I don't care if you're not drunk. I don't care if it's <laughs> two in the afternoon and you're yeah. on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> what not- about, what about my life? Do you feel entitled to? Right. What about, what about my time? Do you feel yes, entitled exactly. to? Yes, exactly. What about very valuable? My intelligence is above yours. This wouldn't be a useful exercise for either of us. Right. I'm not learning anything yeah. from this. I'm and not I learning, and, I, and I'm sadly not really teaching anything. <laughs> right. Because you're not a willing student. Right. Right. Yeah. And and I am. I mean, I I I like to think that I am a willing student. I love. I do like to have a conversation with somebody who has information. You know, there are people like I don't talk. I I I don't have political conversations mm-hmm. too much with people, mostly because I don't always have all of the information. Yeah. What I have is I have an empathetic gut reaction to what I believe is right, mm-hmm. whether or not. And I'm like, and I can't go into a con. I can't go into a debate with that. No, yeah. That is not enough information. That is not. That's not going to convince anybody. It's like it just seems mean. Yeah. And if uh, it does convince someone, then well, how is that? How any- hard are they thinking about it? Right. <laughs> and it's it's why before I like I go to vote and stuff, I have to do a fair amount of work. Yeah. Sort of just you know, and I I have a few people that I trust that I say, tell me who to vote for. Right. Yeah. Well, and I also I go to the League of Women Voters and I go to the Sierra mm-hmm. Club and the Green Party. I go to all the the various lefty groups that I yeah. believe in. And then I if they all agree on them, uh, I'm like <laughs> seems like a good idea. Seems like yeah. a good idea. And then if there's discrepancies, then I then I have to dig a little deeper and yeah. stuff. There were so, a bunch of issues in this past election where Different people, like the different groups that I was looking at, didn't agree on, and I was like, I think I might not vote for this. <laughs> right? It doesn't seem like well, people know. You need to, well, it's 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 a great line from the American president, man. Yeah. This is advanced citizenship. It's advanced citizenship, yeah. and you know, it's Sorkin. <laughs> so, <laughs> that guy, that guy clearly loved debate. Oh yeah, he must have been the biggest briefcase toting nerd. Did he do debate? I bet he did. I bet he did. I have wondered. About who in like public, who like in entertainment 
was a former debater. Oh. Josh Gad, Josh Gad was. Who's Josh Gad? Um, Josh Gad, star of 1600 Pen, short-lived show. He okay. was the voice of Olaf in Frozen. Okay. Um, and he was in Book of Mormon on Broadway. He okay. did, um, not extent, but he did original oratory, I think. Okay. Um, which was a less, com- like, less directly competitive type of debate. It would yeah. be like people gave their individual speeches and then were judged against each other. But right. They didn't have to respond to each other. Um, well, extent, it wasn't, um, it wasn't competitive against what it was is you were given three topics and you had to speak extemporaneously and about speak them. extemporaneously. And it was always political or, or, yeah. or from the five magazines that they, that they made you read uh-huh. like USA and world report time Newsweek. Yeah. And then I always picked world press review because it always had those, the topics that they would pick, but it always had a weirdo slant. Talk about, oh. talk about a cheat sheet. Yeah. I would always, I would, I would always bring my copy of world press review with me because oh, I was interesting. like, I need a different perspective, and then I I, I would get to. Quote it gives something. you more to talk about, right? And I'm quoting a, a source from India. <laughs> uh, I sound like the smartest 15 year old in the world. <gasps> was not <laughs> huge, but did a good imitation of exactly. it. Exactly, my impression yeah. of being a very smarty magoo. When I was in high school, there were rumors that Michael Stipe from REM ha- had been a former debater because of. <laughs> How fast he speaks in End of the World. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and he uses a bunch of words that are like debate jargon in yeah. that song. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, a solution alternative, things like that. Right. Like, which are. I love the, you just dorking out <laughs> with friends, like-minded individuals just sitting around going, I think, don't you think the way that song sounds, doesn't it sound like he's de- he, debating? It sounds like he's spreading. That's what it's called when uh, policy debaters speak in a way that no one can understand oh. except former policy debaters. <laughs> that is a knee slapper. A genuine knee slapper. I don't know if anyone else other than you would slap their knee at that. <laughs> but oh, I'm, I think so. Yeah. Uh, my friend uh, Mark Webster, who was in debate mm. when I was, we had yeah. one of the first debates we ever did in in high school before I joined debate class. It was one of the things that was like, all right, I'll do this. Is mm-hmm. um. Our social studies teacher would split us into, he would, as part of the history lesson, he would, he would give us like major cases that went to the House and Senate. Oh, interesting. And we would have to argue in favor and against. And, um, and I remember I lucked out, uh, giving blacks the vote, uh, at, in 1865. And you got to be in favor. I got to be in favor. Uh, sadly, Mark Webster, uh, had to be against and he did an excellent job. That's a much more interesting assignment. A, yeah. sh- a really annoying and kind of wrenching, but said. like to find yeah. an angle on that that you don't find abhorrent is a really interesting exercise. Well, and he, and what he did was he ended up taking the actual arguments where these people have been slaves. They're not really uh, assimilated into society. They won't know who to vote for. And you're like, yeah, no one does. No one yeah. does. And, uh, everyone's an idiot. And, uh, that doesn't mean everyone doesn't get to vote. I feel so like if I was, men- if I was assigned that, I'm like, I would probably just go like the anarchist route with it. There's no way I could find. <laughs> right. You wouldn't yeah. go to the source and go, Oh, I see what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm against that, it turns out. <laughs> Emily Hillard, this has been a fascinating episode of the Dork Forest. Thank you so much. Oh we gosh. talked pen pals, ASMR, and then, uh, debate. <laughs> yeah. That debate chunk was pretty sweet. If anyone else who hears this wants to talk to me about it, I will. All right. <laughs> uh, so follow Emily on, uh, the Twitter, which is at Mr. Emily Heller mm-hmm. and, uh, emilyheller.tumblr.com. Baby Geniuses is your podcast. Correct. Uh, Guy Branham. 
uh, is an excellent gateway drug to all podcasts. Yes. So get the Guy Branham episode is a great place to start. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on TBS, December 9th, ground floor. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care out there. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we, you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?